Thank you for downloading this message from Pastor Ryan today. We believe you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. Jeremiah 32. I think the question many of us have as it relates to Christianity is who is our God? Who is our God? Because I think we're living in a multiplistic society where we're not quite sure who God is. Because according to our government, we have multiple gods. And in order to not offend certain people, we have made God pluralistic. Because you and I that are born again and washed in the blood understand that there is only one G-O-D. And we're not confused with Allah. Did you hear what I said? I, don't, I understand what government's trying to do and trying to take the edge off. But there are just some things that are, to me, not options as it relates to compromise. Now, I do believe this. I think we're struggling with understanding the identity of our God. I think our children are growing up in a school system that is teaching them dual gods or multiple gods. And I think they're coming home and they're looking at their mother and their daddy and say, explain to me who this God is that we worship on Sunday because what I'm getting taught on Monday.
case you did not understand, you did not evolve. The Bible calls God the God of creation. Am I right? Now let me explain this to you. He is the God of creation. But he's not a rock. He's not a tree. He's not a plant that you should worship. He created them to be a picture of who he is, but that's not him. And some people get caught right there and they're worshiping rocks and trees and plants. Oh, y'all quiet in here. (laughs) He is the God of creation, but in creation, he's still above it. He created it, but it's not him. When he says, I am holy, how many has a problem when God says, I am holy? I have a problem because I don't have anything to compare that to. Think with me. I have nothing that on this earth can compare to the holiness of God. So for me to say to you, God's holy, you can't even logically ascend to the place where you can see God is holy. Am I right? So we say God is holy, but we don't understand what that is because in our logic we can't even comprehend God. Come on, think about that. What I'm saying to you is he has shown us things to help us understand who he is, but that's not who he is. You remember the scripture where he said, I am the potter and you are the clay. Right? So he gives us a picture that he is a potter. We are the clay. Is he on the wheel? Absolutely not. He's not on the wheel. He stands away from the wheel in order to put our hands on us. Which means he's going to put his hands on me, but he's not always where I think he should be. Did God create time? Absolutely God had to create time. Well, if God created time, then why do I have such a difficulty with time? Here's what you need to understand. God created time. God put you in time, gave you a span of days called a lifetime in order so that he'd have enough time to redeem you and bring you back out of time. Did you lose that right there? He creates time, gives us a span of days called a lifetime, which means he's putting me in time. He puts me in time so that I can hear the message of redemption. So he can rescue me while I'm in time in order to bring me out of time, which is called eternity. Y'all like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about understanding God and not as we have been taught God. Uh, grab your Bibles and go to Psalm, 30, or Psalm 50, uh, 95. I'm going somewhere. Just work with me. Go to Psalm 95 for just a moment. While you're turning there, can you listen while, I'm, while you're turning? See, God has created all these things to help me understand who he is. And even in the, in, in the understanding that I do have, I'm still limited in who my God is. Which causes me to not really worship him fully and not really live in faith. Because when I don't really believe that he can do everything, I'm always wondering if he's going to do one thing. Do you understand that God established natural laws as it relates to gravity, as it relates to physics, as it relates to our life? Do you understand that? Everything that's put in motion was put in motion by God. But how many understand that God wasn't limited what laws he put in motion? 
That's why Jesus walked on the water. Because he said, I know I put the laws in place, but I want you to show that I'm greater than the laws I put in place. See, what you've got to understand is even though God put laws in place, if he was subject to the laws, then the laws would be God. Come on, think with me, think with me, think. I'm challenging you. Here's my thought. He walks on water. Why? Because he wants to say, yes, I put laws in dominion. But I'm greater than the laws I created because the laws are not me. That's why he took two fish and five loaves and multiplied them. Why? Because he wants you to know he had dominion over things you didn't think he had dominion over. Listen to this. One of the laws God gave was the law of death. Every man shall die and after that stand before the judgment of God. Is that the Bible? Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. What's he saying? I gave a law of death, but I'm letting you know I'm greater than the laws I created because I'm God. Because I'm God. I gave you a law of gravity, but I stood before my disciples and I transcended right before you. I just want you to know, though I created the laws, the laws are not God. Are you, are you in this building? Because see, if he would have been bound by the laws he created, then the laws would be God. <laughs> who is my God? What are you trying to do, Pastor? I'm trying to help you understand who God is so that you'll take the limits off the God you serve. See, for some reason, we have this idea that God is still learning. Hello, somebody. He's not still learning. He's all-knowing. That's why he could say, I know when a sparrow falls, and I have your hairs on your head numbered. Why? It's not because God's learning. It's because he's all-knowing. See, my question has to be, if my God created everything for something, what was his purpose in creating us? Because the reality is, He has everything. Why would God, that's the question, create something that he doesn't need? This ought to set you free right here. Why would God create something he doesn't need? Because if I read this scripture, he didn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. But why would he create what he created if he didn't need it? Because he desired it. So everything God created, he created it because he desired it. So if I'll start living like he created me because he desired me, then I'll approach him. Oh, I wish somebody in this room just would open your spirit for just a moment and let that get in there. Because we're living before God as if we're undeserving, like we're unworthy. Like for some reason he made a mistake with us. Do you understand that every one of us, if you opened up the depth of God, every one of us has a unique DNA. And there's not a one of us with the same. Not a one of us with the same fingerprint. What is God saying? You're distinct, you're desirable. 
And here's what, here's what God's saying in the broad stroke. There ain't nobody like you, honey. I desired you just like you are. You're unique. You're distinct. You're set apart. I desire you. Nobody's got the same DNA as you. You're not a freak of evolution. You're my design. And if I am God's design, then I shouldn't be apprehensive about going before him and saying, I got some impossibilities. You tracking with me? I don't want to lose you in this because this is important. I don't know if I can even read this. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also his. The sea is for his. For he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Is that not beautiful? Jeremiah said, you're God. And there's nothing impossible. In Psalm 95, it says, look, you created everything with a design and a purpose. You established all these things because, not because you needed it, but because you wanted it. And if you wanted it and you created it, you've invested something in it to take care of it. That's why God can't lie. And even if he did, who are you to judge him? For there was no one there when God swore things into existence and made himself faithful. There was no one to compare him to. God said, I swear by myself. Do you understand that? God said, I swear by myself this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it because I'm God and there's none like me. He called himself holy. You say, but pastor, the angels in heaven cry what? Holy, holy, holy art the Lord thy God who taught them. They didn't know it without being taught. Oh, listen to me. They didn't know he was holy until he told them I'm holy. Do you understand that we live in a culture today that worships all kinds of things? Whether it's Hollywood or the new pop singer in the culture. We worship them and then we watch them crumble. And we don't understand. Let me explain this to you. We were not created for worship. We were not created to receive worship. We were not created to receive it. We were created to, re- to release it. The why we would got. The reason we've got a whole generation of young people who have climbed to celebratory positions. Justin Bieber is imploding as a 19-year-old young man because he's been worshipped and he wasn't created to be put on that kind of pedestal. He was created to use his talent to worship God. 
Can I prove it to you in the Bible? Satan. Satan himself was once a worshiper in heaven. Oh, yes, he was. I like it this way because this is the way Jesus had his spin on it. Jesus said, I saw him one day, and the next day he was like a lightning bolt. Back to the earth. Why? Because Satan says, I deserve to be worshipped. I deserve the honor. I want to be where he is. And God says, I ain't having it. God said, I'm not having it. Listen, if he will evict one he created in heaven because he tried to exalt himself before God, don't you think God's somehow going to get involved? Oh, help us. See, when I thought about this, I thought, you know what? We have become so clouded in who God is. He's not a rock and he's not a tree. You say, but he's the God of creation. Yes, but that couldn't even contain him. You say, well, he's a tent and he's a tabernacle. He's a priest or a prophet or a parable. That can't contain him. That can't contain him. That's just a picture and a shadow of who he is. That's not who he is from the standpoint of who he really is. That's just a glimpse. We have pictures into heaven and we understand the, the royalty and the pictures of who He is. But how many find that real difficult to apply when life is kicking your teeth down your throat? It's a little more difficult to apply the power of our sovereign God when the circumstances of a natural life seem to have dominion over you. When the power of the laws of a natural world seem to be numbing you in who God is. I preached all that to say this to you. We must reclaim the awe and the wonder of who God is. We must reclaim the awe and the wonder of who God is. Birds. Whistle. And from their vantage point in the nest of the tree, they see a sunset. But they weren't created with the awe and the wonder that you and I have when we see the sunrise. Because every time I see a sunrise and I take time to reflect, I realize there's not a man who could do what I just witnessed. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> fish swim in the sea big fish swim in the ocean they can go to the lowest depths and see the wonder of God but they don't come to the surface walk up on the shore and testify of what they saw and say that's God you and I, however, have been created to see the depths of God and the height of God, whether it's a sunset or whether it's the seashore along the ocean, and we're to testify, that's a picture of my God. That's who He is. That's who He is. I see His creation every day. I see what He's doing every day. And if He can separate the sea from the land, there's nothing impossible with God. If He can do that for that, He can do this for me now. 
Somehow I've got to get lost in who God is again. I've got to separate Him from what education teaches me about Him. And I've got to separate it from what I've been taught and what's limited my God. Because see, here's the thing. As I said earlier, there's two things that target us toward God. That's our faith and our worship. Am I right? Our faith says there's nothing impossible to God. And we understand because of Scripture that we cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. So I've got to live in a level of faith when it looks impossible because He's God. And I may not know how He's going to work it out, but He's still God. I've got to have faith in God. If I have faith in God then my worship will be targeted toward God. How many found out that, that when you're struggling in one of those two pillars of your life, whether it's faith or worship, it affects the other? Am I right about that? If your faith is believing in God, there's nothing impossible with God, then your worship is unrestricted. And you say, hallelujah to my God. I praise you with all my heart because you're working all things for your good. How many find it difficult to worship? When your faith has been targeted by an arsenal attack of your adversary. And it's a little difficult to engage in worship. Because your faith is struggling. Is it true? See, here's my thing. When I don't worship Him. Because of my natural situations. I'm indicting Him as a failure. Because he should be worshipped regardless of the landscape of my life. He should be praised whether I like the song service or not. Whether I like the worship leader or not. Whether I like the praise team, the band, or the song that's sung. My worship isn't based on a song or a melody. It's based on the fact that I have faith in God. So my worship should not be contingent on whether I like the style or whether I like the leadership or whether it meets my pedigree of my own expectation. He's worthy regardless of the song sung. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, I don't happen to like this certain... Pre- oh, okay, I understand that. We all have preferences. But that shouldn't diminish who God is. And see, for me to reject praise and worship to God says somehow He owes me more. See, here's my thing, and I'm just, y'all right? Here's my thing. When you refuse to worship God, whether it's in praise corporately, privately, giving, whatever it is, that's all a heart of worship. So when you choose to reject it, you're saying, I deserve more than what I got, and until I get more, I won't give you any. It says, until I receive all that I expect, I'm not giving God what he deserves. Come on, I'm just breaking this for you. Because, see, if I base my worship and my faith on my receiving, then I don't understand God because everything in God is seed time and harvest. So I have to understand in order for me to have harvest, I have to release seed. Worship and praise is seed. Giving and the offering or tithe is seed. Giving my time, talent, and treasure is seed. Because I have faith in Him and I worship Him, I'm working principles and I'm not entitled to receive anything until I work the principles faithfully 
Oh, dear. I better close because it's getting tight. Can, can I, can, thank you, Al. I think I will. Are y'all sitting down? Got your seatbelt on? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. I know everybody told you, your mama told you, and your grandmama told you it was all about you. I know everybody has told you it's all about you. It ain't all about you. When you live like everything's all about you, you live entitled. And when you live entitled, what you're saying is, doesn't matter what I got, it ain't good enough. And see, some of you still haven't understood that this whole thing isn't about you. Now, I'm not saying that hatefully. I'm just being honest. It's not all about you. Because I got news for you. God don't need me. He's got others. It's kind of like the prophet when he laid up underneath a juniper tree and said, God, I'm the only one left. And God snickered. He said, son, you don't even understand. I got 7,000 that's never bowed a knee to Baal. I still got others, son. I'm choosing to use you. It ain't all about you. It's not about us. I had a wise man say something the other day. I choose to repeat it today. The only call of our life is to make disciples. What did Jesus say before he left? What was his exit message? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Make disciples. At the end of the day, it's not about you. At the end of the day, it's not about the money you make, the house you live in, the residence you have, or how successful you are in order to meet the standards of our our faulty culture. It's not about you. It's about, do I trust God? Do I worship God? And do I release what He's given to me? And I'll never give up anything if I don't know who God is because I'm going to build me a, a nest egg for my own preservation because I really don't know who God is. And I'll praise him when I get bloody well ready to praise him, Pastor, and you're not going to make him. Make me. I understand that. I'm not going to make nobody praise God. However, I I am going to uh, encourage you to praise him. And I'm going to encourage you to trust God and be disciplined and committed because he's still God. Now, if, if that irritates you, then obviously you know more than I. And that's okay because there's a lot of people smarter than me. You're not the smartest person in the room, I'm going to tell you. There's somebody that's understood more. I do know this much. Whether I stand in this pulpit or not, I'm still saved. And that's not something you can legislate. That's not something you can uh, determine. You say, well, i got a gift of discernment. Oh, really? Can you discern a salvation of a man? Then if you can't determine whether they are, you say, well, I know their fruits. I understand that. I understand that. I'm not diminishing that. But really, if we spend all of our day trying to police who's saved, then we're not living with the foundation of faith and worship. And so we're diminishing God into this natural culture of where we're policing the world. 
And God didn't call us to police the world. He called us to have faith in God, worship God, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and realize it's not all about you. Now, that's difficult for church to understand. Stand with me if you don't mind. We hope you enjoyed the message today. Please visit www.fivestoneschurch.info for more messages and media resources.